Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. We believe that with smart marketing, you can compete with the largest players in your industry. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'll be joined by Chris Daly, and we're going to explore conversion rate optimization. If you are trying to figure out a way to eke out more sales on the sales pages that you have for your products or your services, this is your solid gold episode. So listen, enjoy, take notes. You're going to learn a lot. By the way, I am at Stelzner on Instagram. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you do not miss any of our future content. By the way, do you need to bring in more revenue for your business? Are your sales and marketing efforts fizzling out? Have you been thinking about embracing sales and marketing automation, but haven't made the leap? You need to check out Keep, the one-stop sales and marketing automation platform for entrepreneurs, consultants, and coaches. Here are three things Keep can do to help you grow your business. Number one, automate your email and SMS marketing with easy-to-use templates that capture leads and nurture them into paying clients who refer others. Number two, automatic follow-up means your leads move down the funnel with less effort while enabling you to see where each person is in your sales process. Number three, get paid faster by streamlining your quotes and payments. Keep natively integrates with PayPal, Stripe, and WePay for a seamless experience with no added fees. Plus, Keep provides expert coaching and offers free US-based phone support and 24 by seven chat. Whenever you need them, they'll be there for you. Sounds intriguing, right? Start bringing in more sales by using the platform that more than 200,000 entrepreneurs trust, Keep. Go to keap.com slash SME and click the See Demo button for access to a really helpful video demonstration of Keep. You support this show by checking out our sponsors. And now let's transition over to this week's interview with Chris Daly. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Chris Daly. If you don't know who Chris is, you need to know who he is. He's a marketing consultant that specializes in conversion rate optimization. He's also the founder of Smart CRO a company that helps e-commerce businesses generate more revenue from their websites. Chris, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to be here, Mike. Well, I'm excited to have you back. Today, Chris and I are going to explore 
conversion rate optimization in a post-COVID world. And before we go there, maybe you should just say what the heck is conversion rate optimization and then tell us a little bit because it's been five years, Chris, since you've been on the show. So maybe just start with what the heck is conversion rate optimization at a very simple you know, definition and then tell us about what's happened for you over the last five years. Yeah, so here's how I define conversion rate optimization for my clients. It is really the only way that I know of to learn what your audience needs to see on your website in order to convert, right? So whatever your conversion is, whether it's getting a subscriber to your blog, whether it's getting someone to purchase a product or fill out a lead form or call you, whatever the conversion is, conversion rate optimization is the strategic process of of figuring out what people need to see in order to take that conversion action. And so we primarily use A-B testing, website A-B testing, to try different things out and see what the audience responds best to. One of the things that I often tell people that they get confused about, conversion rate optimization is not a list of best practices. And it's not something that you can just do a quick change or a quick fix. It's a process of learning and exploring and experimenting. And so we use a lot of scientific jargon, like hypothesis and statistical significance and all that, all that kind of stuff, which we can talk more about later. Yeah. Well, and we're going to get to why it's so important just a bit, but I think you've done a great job at like teasing what it is at a high level. So five years ago, you were on the show. A lot has changed in the last five years. Kind of bring us up to speed. What's changed for you over the last five years? Yeah. So five years ago, I was running my first agency. I was pretty fresh in and I was really grateful. You did a lot of good for me personally. And I ended up getting introduced with a, a larger agency. So I ended up merging my, my first agency with this larger agency and spent about three years trying to scale what I do and scaling what I did. And so I, I was able to go from just me as a lone consultant to a team of about 25 people. Uh, and we were servicing over 100 clients. And about the point that I got it to that stage, I realized I did not like the big agency thing. Like I didn't like my involvement. At that stage, I was more leadership and high level involvement with businesses. And what I realized about myself is I really like being personally involved with, with clients. I like personally making an impact in companies and building personal relationships with clients. And so I stepped away from the large agency thing in 2019 and went back to running my own company. And so my company now, Smart CRO, I, I personally am involved with each of my clients and have been doing a fair bit of speaking thanks to you. You, you introduced me to a lot, of, a lot of people and I feel grateful for that. So I've been on uh, doing a lot of podcast rounds and um, speaking at conferences, although that's slowed down quite a bit with COVID. Right. Along with a lot of other changes that have come with COVID. So, but yeah, I mean, I have really enjoyed the last couple of years uh, slowing down a bit and moving from the scale back to the personal involvement. Um, and so that's kind of what I've been focused on the last little bit. And the kind of clients you're working with these days are? So I focus primarily on e-commerce companies, helping e-commerce companies maximize the revenue through their site. I do a little bit of lead generation, but you know, with e-commerce, it's super, super easy. If you improve conversion rate, you improve revenue. And so lead generation, there's all kinds of, I mean, you know, this game where there's all sorts of quality things that come into play. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I've been seeing, and especially over the last year or so, e-commerce has really exploded. 
And not only has it exploded because everyone's been stuck at home and people have been dramatically changing their shopping behaviors, but people's behavior has just changed in general. And so e-commerce, I get a lot of companies that will reach out and say, hey, we've had a huge influx of traffic. Um, Our conversion rate is tanking or our conversion rate is the same, but we know it should be better. Or I'll get people that will come and say, hey, our conversion rate has fluctuated wildly and we don't have any idea what to do. We tried a big website redesign and it didn't work. Mm. What do we do? Mm. And so that's kind of when I come into the picture and I'll help them figure out how do you pivot? What do you do when some major change happens that is outside of your expectations? How do you figure out how to pivot from there? Right. So that's what I do a lot with businesses. Yeah. And what we're going to talk about today, conversion rate optimization is valuable, whether you're uh, selling physical products, whether you're selling services, whether you're collecting leads. I mean, everything we're going to be talking about today will be relevant for everyone who's listening. Now, you mentioned conversion rate optimization is really the process of testing and improving your sales or your conversions, right? So tell everybody that maybe doesn't understand the value prop, like what can be achieved with good CRO? Why is this so valuable? Yeah. So I actually, I had a client that I just started working with towards the beginning of this year and they sell furniture on their site. Uh, And they came to me, I think with pretty low expectations. And the reason they had low expectations was things were already working really well for them. Their conversion rate was really high. And I got introduced to them through a, a, a mutual contact that we had. And so I think in their mind, it was more like, sure, let's try out this conversion rate optimization thing. But I mean, they, they always put the caveat in there, but our conversion rate's pretty good. So I don't know how much you're going to be able to do. Um, so we, we began my process and my process usually starts by, I, I, you know, I, I don't, like I said, I don't come in with best practices. And so I come in saying, let's find out what it is that you're doing well right now on the site. Let's learn why your conversion rate is high. Because most businesses, when they have a high conversion rate, haven't really done a whole lot of exploration into why it's high. It's just, it's like, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of a mentality. So they don't really dig too much. And so we ran some tests and actually tested removing some things from their website. And th- this was in the first month of us working together. We had, we tested a few different pages on their site, removing some, removing some sections of content and offers and whatnot. We ended up having about a 60% increase in revenue in the first month which was insane. I mean, that's definitely higher than what I see with my average clients. But this was with a company that had things pretty dialed in. And what we found is their customers were hungry and eager and anxious to purchase. And they they hadn't challenged the status quo. They hadn't changed anything on their site because they were afraid of ruining things. And so this process of conversion rate optimization, what it is, is it's about trying new things. It's about pushing the envelope. It's about really exploring and trying. So what I typically see with my clients is somewhere around 20% increases in conversion rates, even within the first few months of testing. So if you think about that, if your revenue was to increase by 20% without increasing your traffic, that's what conversion rate optimization can do. It has a pretty significant impact on the businesses that I work with. Yeah. And I want to echo a little bit more on this because we've learned a lot from you, Chris, and we are constantly testing. Folks, if you learn some stuff today and you start experimenting with some of the things you learned today and all of a sudden, let's say your conversion rate goes from 1% to 2%. Okay. You have literally doubled 
and it's going to stay that way indefinitely. So if you think as long as, you know, everything holds true, right? So what if you could get it from 2% to 4%, then you doubled again, right? So if you can figure out something soon enough that leads to a higher conversion rate, the downstream time impact can be massive, right? And then when you look back and you realize, wow, why did I wait? Look at that lost opportunity, right? And you just keep tweaking and you keep experimenting and you keep tweaking and you keep experimenting and you eventually begin to see your emails, if you're going for leads, go through the roof or your sales go through the roof or they go from substandard to normal. And all of a sudden the product you thought maybe you were gonna abandon, maybe it's not the product. Maybe it's the sales page, right? Maybe it's the website. And these are actually, these are small things that can yield massive upside, right? Absolutely. Not only that, but there is so much revenue upside, but there's also some significant customer learnings. So, you know, when we started challenging some of these assumptions that this this client had on their website, and we found that removing certain things helped conversions, there were some major eye-opening moments they had content on some of the pages of their site that was really hurting their conversion rates. And they would have never known. In fact, it was kind of funny. After we finished our first round of tests, they had their creative agency come on who had designed the website. And they just could not believe that we saw this kind of impact. And they were pretty upset that I had even suggested removing this stuff. And ultimately, we went back and retested some of this stuff and saw the same impact again. And so like you said, it will hold true if you've done a good job with the test, then the impact will hold true. And a lot of times it goes in the face of the conventional wisdom or the expertise or the user experience, best practices that are out there. And so it is so important to learn what is your audience specifically want, not what works for Apple or Amazon or your competitor. Because I have seen companies where something works differently for them than for their competitor. And if you were just doing what your biggest competitor does, you're probably missing out on a ton of conversions. And here's the dirty little secret. Your competitor probably has no idea whether it works. They just are doing it because someone said they should do it. (laughs) That's right. That's absolutely right. And everybody copies everyone else because they think that that person has figured something out that they have not figured out. So this is a perfect transition into my next question. We are recording this in the summer of 2021 as, you know, post-pandemic is beginning. We're starting to get back to a slightly different changed reality for so many people all around the world. What I want to ask is how has behavior changed for customers and for prospects as a result of COVID? Because I believe that you believe that there are some changes that we as marketers need to wrap our head around that are probably going to be here for a long time. Talk to me about this. So let me first just say that the changes that are happening right now are different than what happened during the initial lockdown. So here's here's kind of what I've seen over the last year. When the lockdowns happened right after social media marketing world 2020, yeah. there was just a huge influx of online shopping. It was like people couldn't go out, people couldn't shop in the stores a lot of times. And so they were buying everything. And they didn't care because they couldn't find it, right? Yeah. It was like they couldn't find it. They couldn't go to the stores. And so they would kind of just buy anything. And so most of my clients saw not only a huge influx of traffic, but a massive spike in conversion rates. But that conversion rate spike did not persist. So what happened was as the pandemic started to mature 
And as things started to reopen or people started to settle into a more normal, kind of a more new normal, two things happened. Number one, because conversion rates and traffic had spiked so much, a lot of e-commerce companies and frankly, service companies sold out of products, were booked out on capacity, you know, whether you are uh, an interior designer or a chef or selling clothing or groceries, whatever it was, people were completely booked out and sold out on products. And so it became harder and harder to find products online. And so one thing that happened is there a scarcity mentality has kind of begun to set in. And this piece has absolutely persisted where customers are starting to, they have encountered more and more websites where they can't buy something and get it tomorrow. I actually just called up a company I was looking for a hot tub and I asked them and they said, oh, good luck. You're not going to find a hot tub for like six to eight months. You know, everyone's been stuck at home and so everyone wants hot tubs. And so you're, there's no way you're going to get one anytime soon. And that's sort of the standard, right? I mean, a lot of companies are completely sold out. So I'll come back to that in a yeah, second and okay. talk about how you can address that. Okay. The other thing that has happened is there have been so many companies that have transitioned to online that now there are, most businesses have more competitors than they've ever had. So costs are going up for ads. I mean, and Costs are also going up for ads because, you know, we now have these challenges with the Apple iPhone updates, but, you know, costs are going up for advertising. And so it becomes more expensive to get people to your site. But because customers have so many options now, because there's so many more businesses online, conversion rates are going down. Mm. And so it's like, we saw this huge spike. Companies made all kinds of pivots and changes to try to capitalize on it. And then the wind was sort of taken out of their sales. They ran out of product. Their conversion rates start dropping. Costs start going up. And so there's a lot of challenges right now. There's a lot of major consumer behavior shifts. In light of these two things, what do we need to understand as marketers, right? What I'm hearing you say is that things in some industries are harder to get. And in addition, the margins have shrunk a little bit. So what, connect all that. What is this? How has this changed behavior? And what do we need to think about behavior wise when it comes to conversion rate optimization? Let me talk about that with a couple of stories here. So the first one, this was a mind blowing experience for me. It's not something I would have ever expected to see a year ago. So one of my clients was in one of these situations where they were sold out of product. Um, they were actually on back order for six weeks or so. So we wanted to test uh, adding a message because they were starting to get a lot of complaints from their customers saying, hey, I ordered this product a month ago and I haven't gotten it. So, so in their mindset, it was like, well, what if we just add a message that is very obvious and clear that you won't get your product for a while? And the, the natural assumption was, well, if we tell people they're not going to get their product for a while, conversion rates are going to drop. And so we set forth to, to run a test to figure out, Just we just assumed that conversion rates were going to drop. And so we wanted to figure out how can we make them drop as little as possible, but still address the elephant in the room. So we tested a bunch of different ways of having some messaging that said, by the way, we're on back order because of COVID. You won't get your product for six to eight weeks. So, and one of the variations was a really in-your-face pop-up as soon as you entered the site. So it was an entrance pop-up. As soon as you got there, it was like bright in your face. I think it was bright red. I mean, it was as obnoxious as you can possibly get saying, just a heads up, you won't get your product for six to eight weeks. What do you think happened? 
Well, I'm guessing something big happened because obviously, you know, your average person would say, okay, that I'm leaving, right? But clearly something else happened. So tell us what happened. (laughs) Conversion rates went through the roof. Conversion rates increased by like 30% with just adding that message. Why do you think that is? Is, do you think it was a social proof mechanism because this must be good if people are waiting this long? That's part of it. So here's a couple of things that I think were happening. Number one, and this is one of the comments that I will just make across the boards. Marketers cannot be scared to address these issues. If you try to minimize it, if you try to hide it, it's going to come back and bite you in the face at some point. But I think the first thing was we were addressing it head on. We were being transparent with our audience and I liked that. Second, customers are encountering this all over the place. I think that it spoke to the situation in general. So it was like, oh, this is another company that's dealing with COVID stuff. And so I think it put them in this mindset of, of course, things are going to take a long time to get. Everybody's struggling with COVID versus if we didn't mention it or whatever, what's happening with these other clients that we're calling and complaining is they were under the assumption it was business as usual. And so they're mad when they're not getting their products within a month versus these other customers that are going, oh, of course, it's going to take a while. And then I think finally, like you mentioned, I think that what was happening is it's a social proof saying, you better get your order in now, because if you don't get it in now, the wait time might be longer in a month, right? So I think there was some urgency and some social proof that this product is good and people are waiting for it. So, I mean, that was one of the things I was going to say. I have seen that on three separate websites where adding a message like that led to an increase in conversions. I had another client that actually added what we ended up doing is we decided to dig a little bit deeper here. So it's like, okay, we have a message that says it's going to take a while. What if we add like a pre-order system? So instead of saying, hey, it's going to take a while to ship, what if we change the messaging and say you're pre-ordering product that is delayed right now? And what we did is we actually, we listed out some different pre-order waves that you can get in on. So it was like wave one is sold out. Wave two is half sold out or 50% of the way there. And you'll get it in six weeks. Wave three, you're not going to get it for four and a half months. Right. And so what we were trying to do there is we're trying to say, listen, it's going to take a while. And once we've sold out of the inventory we're about to get, it's going to be an even longer wait because we're going to have to reorder inventory and it's going to go through this whole process again. That had a similar impact, about a 25% lift in sales. So, you know, to the scarcity problem, customers know that it's an issue. They're encountering it all over the place. Now, if you don't have a scarcity problem, then you probably don't want to go testing messaging like that on the site. But if you do, I mean, if you have, even if your normal shipping speed is 24 hours and right now you're a week out, I would definitely add, I would test adding some messaging that's in people's faces that lets them know, hey, we're on back order because of all these situations. Get your order in today to make sure you get it by this date or whatever. Really surprising, I think. In our pre-conference, we talked about something about value proposition. And I don't know if we've already addressed that or not specifically related to behavior change. Did you want to address that? Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, one. so we have the scarcity problem, which is things are sold out. Customers are, are having a hard time getting stuff. There's also the problem that I mentioned where a lot more businesses shifted to online. You know, Walmart, for example, has made significant investments in the last couple of years and has exploded their online sales. I mean, Walmart's, of course, a huge player. There's also lots of boutiques and lawyers and HVAC people that, that are out there 
that have shifted significant budget to online. Here's what marketers need to do with that is you need to stand out from the competition. Like before, so in March, April, May of last year, when lockdown happened, you could pretty much sell anything. It's like you, <laughs> if you have it and it's on your site, you can pretty much sell it. It's no longer a given that you're just going to sell anybody who comes to your site. Because like I mentioned, not only is it more expensive to get them, but they have a lot more options. And so it's more important than ever. I have seen incredible results with some of my clients by testing value proposition. So here's, here's an example. When I say value proposition, what I mean by that is why should people buy your product? What's unique about your product? What guarantees or things do you offer that can help address your customer's anxiety? I mean, it's really just selling propositions. Why should someone buy your product? So this is just, this was a shocking example. I had a client who we were testing on their product page. This is an e-commerce company and they sell clothing and they had a pretty normal e-commerce website. So it was like, you know, your picture and your price and the reviews and then like pick your size and then add to cart. And then if you scroll down the page, either on mobile or on desktop, if you scroll down the page beneath the add to cart was like the product details and the features and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, we ran a test. This was just a couple months ago. We ran a test where we took some of their features, the bullet points that they had that were lower on the page. And all we did is we moved them up above the add to cart button. So now instead of seeing price reviews add to cart, it was price reviews, selling points and then add to cart. And conversion rates almost doubled. It was about an 80% increase in revenue. And the funny thing with this is, I mean, I, I always see results kind of like this when we're testing value propositions. But the funny thing is that content was already on the website. It was on the page. It just was too far down. Yeah, it was too far down. And so we were making it more accessible. And so it was like, listen, your customers love your product and they love the content that you have. But people are more impatient right now. They're, they're not going to dig to find why they should buy your product. It's our responsibility as marketers to get that stuff front and center and to make sure that we're making it easy for our customers to find why to buy, the, buy our stuff or to sign up for our service or whatever it is, right? You know, it's fascinating because part of a value proposition could also not just be the features and benefits of a product, but could be a little bit of the story, right? And on longer sales pages, we've been experimenting with a story like why us? Why me? What makes us different, right? And that's where we've started to sew in a little bit of like what goes into making the sausage in the factory that makes us different. You know what I mean? And I found that that seems to convert better when we have it versus when we don't. Have you found something similar? Absolutely. Well, and here's the thing that you're doing, Mike. You're connecting with your customers, right? You're, you're, you're developing some kind of a personal or an emotional connection there. Um, and, and that is unique. Like I said, I mean, there's, there are so many companies out there and I mean, there's more than ever that are just like some, some dude that just like spun up a website yesterday and copied your product or is ordering some product in from, from uh, China or wherever, you know, and is selling it as cheap as they can. There are so many of those companies out there. And so when customers can find some kind of business that they connect with, that, that either their mission or their purpose or their background, um, where they resonate and they connect with it, 
Customers are even sometimes willing to pay a premium for that, even if you're more expensive than your customers. That actually brings up an interesting point. I know that we talked about price testing before. Yeah, let's talk about that. Price price has been such an interesting thing for me to watch. So here's what most companies believe. Most companies have a pretty tight margin. You know, like the profit margin is such that it's like, with your current cost structure, you're making a decent profit. Now, I mean, there's some companies that just have through the roof profit margins and that's great and awesome for them. But most companies aren't in that situation. And so what most companies believe is, well, if I just raise my price a little bit, then it shouldn't hurt my conversion rates and but I'll have a higher profit margin. Okay, so I, I've done this test for multiple clients in the last year. And here's what I tend to find. So first of all, if you have ever had this discussion go around internally, it's definitely worth testing. Because price does tend to have a, a correlation with conversion rate, but it's not always the correlation that you think. So again, most companies think, oh, well, I've got this wiggle room and if I raise the price by $10, it won't matter. But here's the problem with the way that most companies approach this. They're only trying to raise the price. And so what I always do when I'm testing for my clients is I'll say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to test one or two higher price points and one or two lower price points. And companies always cringe whenever I suggest the lower price point because it's like, oh, but that's eating into our profit margin. But here's the problem with the logic that, that businesses are using. You're assuming that a higher price point will be better because of your current conversion rate. If you lower your price point, and your conversion rate dramatically increases, well, then guess what? All of a sudden, your customer acquisition costs drop dramatically, right? You're converting way more of your traffic. And so all of a sudden, the numbers change. And so here's what I tend to find. There usually is a linear relationship. But it's not always the higher, the better, or the lower, the better. It really depends. So I have a couple of clients where we ran a price test, and a higher price point actually had a higher conversion rate, too. So, I mean, that, of course, was like the best of both worlds where, hey, we're ha higher profit margin and lower customer acquisition costs. But I have some clients where the higher the price was, the lower the conversion rate. But what happened is when we lowered the price by $10, our conversion rate increased by like 30%. And so even though we're making less per sale, we're selling way more. And so it ultimately becomes a better ROI for us. And so, you know, I think I recommended a similar thing to you where it's like, if you're going to test price, don't only test a higher price point, test higher and lower and figure out what is going to maximize your conversion rate. And ultimately, how do your customers respond? Because maybe they hate a, low, a higher price point, or maybe they hate a lower price point, but the reality is you don't know how they're going to react until you have a test. This is the hardest thing in the world to do because it's scary, right? Like we were experimenting with a product that was $97. And then we experimented with 147 and 197 because it was converting really well at 97. And it turned out that the conversion rate dropped at 147 as we expected, but it completely tanked at 197. So we were doing the math, how much traffic is coming to the site, what's the conversion rate? And we realized, okay, we've got to keep it at 97. Then Chris said, well, why don't you try 87? So we tried 87. Now, when we brought it to $87, the conversion rate was exactly the same as where when it was at 97. It didn't lower. It didn't lower at all. So we brought it right back to 97. Interesting. Yep. But again, like we knew, okay, we've got to keep it in this yep. sweet spot for this product, which is $97. And 
you know, the plan was not to do this, right? The plan was to raise it a little bit every few days until it got to full price. And that's where you have to watch the data very closely, right? Because um, had we raised it, our sales would have plummeted That's right. and we wouldn't have gotten anywhere close to what our goals were. And this is where, you know, we're selling information products, right? So we've got pretty big margins and we can afford to do this kind of stuff. And we found the sweet spot was $97. But then when you start getting into bigger price products like our conference, right, which typically starts at a thousand and goes up, that's where I'm like, whoa, you know, I don't know, you know, and, and, and it's one of those things where, you got to test. I mean, in the end, you have to test. Now, what should we know when we're testing? Because give us some wisdom. A lot of people are going to start testing with the price thing and they're going to make some mistakes. So what should we be looking for? <laughs> so let me just say, if you haven't done A-B testing before, do not start with price testing. Price testing, like you said, Mike, is it is a much more risky type of test to run. There is some high upside. And I just, just to close out the price testing specifically, um, there is usually there is usually some breaking point, right? So there's usually some wiggle room, whether it's a $10 wiggle room or maybe with the conference, it's $100 or $200 in wiggle room where you can fluctuate either up or down by that much and it won't have any impact on conversion. So what you need, to, you definitely need a test to know where is my wiggle room, but you also need to know where do things start breaking, right? So where's the breaking points? In other words, where do things either tend to go dramatically up or down when I change my price. Those are things that you have, I mean, are really critical as a business to understand. If you've just picked some random price, you may have picked a price point that's way too high or way too low, or maybe you picked exactly the right price. But I mean, it's usually more, you know, toss of a coin kind of a thing if you accidentally picked the right price. So yeah, you, you definitely need to test and figure out where those breaking points are. But, you know, to your point of where should people start testing? Like I said, I would not start with price testing, not only because it's kind of technically challenging to run these price tests, because especially if you've got physical inventory, there are so many hurdles that you have to jump over. You have to connect your warehouse so that it knows that this higher price point or lower price point or item is the same as this other one. You have to be able to tie returns back to that, you know, the price that they actually purchased. So there, there are some technical limitations and challenges that come up with price testing. When people, if people are listening to this and are like, I've got to go out and start AB testing, like I'm, you're feeling really excited about this and about the upside. I wouldn't start with anything like that. I would start with kind of what I recommended before. So I see some of the biggest revenue impacts or some of the biggest, biggest conversion rate impacts across the boards with what I call an existence test. It's just a test where you go through and test removing different sections of either content or offers from a page on your site. Home pages are a great target for this because home pages, I mean, you know, I've talked to, probably over a thousand companies now in my career. And I've worked with really large companies that everyone would recognize. And I've worked with really small companies that no one's ever heard of. And across the boards, when I start picking apart someone's homepage and ask, why did you put this here? Why did you put this here? I, I have never talked to a company that said, oh, well, because we tested X, Y, and Z and this worked better. It's because that's the way the designer made it, right? <laughs> that's exactly, yeah. It's the, it's the way that the designer made it. Or they have some logic that they've told themselves is data. Like, well, these are our highest selling items, so we put them on our homepage. But if that's your answer, you're kidding yourself because just because those are your highest selling products doesn't mean those should be on your homepage. 
right? Maybe you should have your cheapest products on your homepage or your newest products on your homepage, or maybe you should have no products on your homepage, right? But like the bottom line is no company I've ever talked to has much data on what should be on their homepage. Let's take a sales page. Let's take a, you know, nearly everybody who has something to sell has, you know, what I'm calling a sales page, right? Which is where the product is described, right? A product page or a landing page. Yep. Yeah. So what are the things that we should test removing? Because I think nearly everybody knows that they've got some sort of page for their product or service that describes what it is and has a call to action on it. So what are the things we should test removing? Because this is fascinating stuff. (laughs) Okay. So here's what you're going to want to do. First of all, you're going to want to make a list of what do I have on my page? When I'm doing trainings for companies, this is one of the first things I train them on. I train them on how to look objectively at your at a, your sales page. Because the problem that we all have as marketers is we all have our own quote unquote like eye for design or eye for conversion. And so when we look at a page, we go, oh, I like this. I don't like this. Those are biases, right? They're total biases and they give you blind spots as a marketer. And so what you need to do is you need to make a list. And so what I do is I make a list and I say, what are the sections of stuff on this page? So of course you're going to have your sales section and that's probably the only section that you cannot remove on a page. It's the section that has your form or your price and your add to cart section or your whatever, your drop downs where you select the product. You can't test, you can't remove that section. But what I start doing is I make a list of everything else other than that. So I have an image or an image section or an image gallery. Okay, that's one bullet point. I have a these six icons where I describe the fact that we're the best in class and we've, you know, have an A plus rating on the Better Business Bureau and we have 5,000 reviews or whatever, you know? So, okay, those value props, those icons, that's a section. And then we have a three paragraphs of content that describe our product. That's another section. We've got reviews on the page. That's a section. We've got other products that we're trying to sell, like related products. That's a section. And before you know it, you end, you end up with this bulleted list with like six or seven different sections on your page. Or if you have a long form sales page, you might end up with like 30 things on there. So right. then what I do is I go through and I make a, you're going to use a, an A-B testing tool. I like Google Optimize because it's free. So you're going to use it. Uh, yep. We love that. We use that too. Yep. So you're going to use a tool like Google Optimize. Google Optimize makes it so, so easy to remove things. It's literally like click on an element and click remove. And so, I mean, this is not, you don't have to have any development skills or any design skills to do this kind of test. So what you're going to do is if you have a list of six things or whatever, you're just going to go in and boom, variation one, remove the image gallery. Variation two, remove the value proposition icons. Variation three, remove the paragraph. Variation four, remove the reviews. And here's what I typically see on a test like this. Wait, wait, you're running all these variations against each other at once or are you doing them one at a time against control? That depends on how much traffic you have. So, I mean, if you have more than like 10,000 visitors a month to your sales page, run them all at the same time. Oh, okay. If you get less traffic than that, then run one at a time, right? Because you, you need to make sure you get enough data Uh, quickly enough. But here's the reason why you need to run all of these and not only pick and choose a few. I will just say this. I have had every possible winner you can imagine. Things that you would never think work better. I just had a client two weeks or two months ago where we removed their image gallery, uh, the image gallery from their product page, and they generated $100,000 in additional revenue in two weeks by doing that. 
It was insane. I mean, when I recommended removing the image gallery as a test variation, my client cringed. And I mean, they, they couldn't believe that I was even recommending such a silly thing. And so, but like, I, I can promise you, you need to test every element on your page because there are companies where an image gallery actually is not helpful. There are companies where reviews actually are not helpful. And it's, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with your product or with your customers. It doesn't mean that your images suck or that your content sucks. It's all about what your customers are looking for, like what mindset they're in when they're on your site. And so here's what you're going to find out with a test like this. You're going to learn two important things. Number one, I guarantee you will find at least one thing on your page that is hurting conversion rates. For most companies I work with, it's at least half of the things on their page that are hurting conversion rates. I want to echo this because I started doing, before you and I recently chatted, surprisingly, I actually was thinking the exact same thing you're thinking. We need to start testing some of the things we've always held to be true. And on our sales page, we typically have a red banner that runs all the way across the top. That's maybe a quarter inch tall and has a little alert in it, you know, like sale ending soon kind of thing. Right. Yep. And you see this everywhere, right? Like back in the olden days, they would call it a hello bar or something like that. Right. So we tested removing that and our conversion rates went up a lot. And I was shocked because we've just always assumed that having an alert at the top with a important information about a sale ending or whatever was going to help the sale, but actually it hurt the sale. Yes. And we also had something else we tested, which was we would have partway down the sales page, we would have a little countdown timer with a sale end soon kind of thing. We took the sale ends data out and we left the countdown timer there without any context of why there's a countdown timer. Conversion rates went up. So interesting. And the last thing is we actually removed the price, the thing that you said you can't do. Um, because we, you know, most products have a click to purchase kind of button, right? But we actually fully removed the price and we changed the language a little bit to say like, you know, start your journey now or something like that, right? And by removing the price, our conversion rate went through the roof. Now, here's why I think that happened, Chris, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I think you get people that are just looking for the price because they're looking for a reason to leave the sales page. Yep. And by removing the price, when people actually got to the price and saw it was more affordable than they thought, the conversion rate almost doubled. And, well, and here's what else happened, Mike. When you remove the price, their focus goes from the price to the copy to yeah. why you should buy it. Right. Right. Like you're focusing your customer's attention on what's important to them anyways, on the value propositions. And so what you were doing is you were selling them on the value rather than on the price. You know, and I see this, many marketers are going to understand this corollary story. A lot of times when you're on a website and a pop-up comes up to offer you a free PDF or a resource, there'll be a button instead of like a enter your name and email address. First, there's a button and then there's a name and email address, right? And this is tried and true. And you know this to be true, Chris, right? The conversion rates are always higher if it's just a button because they don't know if they click the button, if they're going to get immediate access or if they're going to have to buy it with their name and email address, right? That's right. Yep. And that concept works when it's free. And I wanted to test to see whether it worked when it wasn't free. And sure enough, it did. And that was fascinating to me. And that just blew the mind of my entire marketing department because we always thought we had to have the price, you know, there on the page. We'll have a sale end save percent, but we, we don't have the price. And then you click to find the price. And yes, we've had a couple people get upset that they can't find the price, but 
All they got to do is click a button, you know? <laughs> Let me just say also, the worst thing that can happen on this test, like the worst case scenario that everybody dreads is, well, what if I remove something that's important to customers? You'll learn. Be, first of all, because <laughs> it's a test, you can shut it off pretty quickly. And so you can minimize any, any negative impact. But guess what? If you tested removing that price and sales plummeted, then guess what you just learned? You, you would have just learned People need to see the price in order to buy. So then you know what your next test would be is let's make the, te- the, the price more prominent. What if we make it bigger? What if we put it at the top of the page? Yeah. What if we highlight there it in go. green or red or whatever, right? Like, and so there is only good that can come from te- running these removal tests. You're either going to find something that you can remove and get a quick conversion rate increase, or you're going to find something that you remove that hurts your revenue. And now you've learned something that's really important to your customers. And now you can spend some time refining that thing that they want, whether it's the price or whether it's if it was the six icons that you removed from your page, and people really like those, then I'm going to test those six icons. I'm going to test six bullet points instead of icons. I'm going to test three icons instead of six. And I'm, you know, I'm going to test lots of different things inside of that icon section. But you can only get good learnings from these types of tests. And like I said, you can minimize the negative impact by shutting stuff off early. Yeah. And that's what I want to ask you about, which is my next question, which is when we set up a test and it's really obvious in the first couple of days that the variation is just not winning, like the control is crushing it. How long do we wait for confidence? Right? Because this is the big question. Like it's going to go through a lot of people's minds. We've got a loser it seems like we have a loser. I don't want to go for a long period of time and lose a ton of money. So <laughs> what do we do with those situations, yeah. right? Yeah. So here's here's kind of my rule of thumb. If something is losing consistently for two to three days, then I shut it off. Um, you, you're right. Like the only thing that you would gain from keeping it running longer is the exact losing percentage. Uh, but you would lose a lot more in that case than you would gain. You would gain a great insight and probably a good next test, but you're going to test that anyways. Like you already know that it hurts. And so you're going to run a follow-up there and say, okay, hey, if removing the price hurts, then moving it higher is going to help. You don't need to know exactly how badly it hurts you by removing it. Now on the flip side, for a winning variation, there's not any downside in keeping it running. And so for, for winning variations, we're going to run them for two to three or four weeks until we have statistical confidence. And if you use Google Optimize, they're going to give you a statistical confidence calculation. I want to ask about that. Google Optimize seems to be a little more optimistic about their confidence than, than the confidence <laughs> calculators. Do you think it's because they have more data? Because, you know, the way that we calculate, you know, confidence is just the raw numbers, but maybe Google has a lot more data and their AI systems understand a lot more than we do because they're not just looking at conversion or no conversion. They're looking at all the other elements. I don't know. Do you, so here, yeah. here's a few comments on that. First of all, Google uses a different statistics engine than you might use or, or than other tools. There's different ways of calculating statistical significance. So Google has its own way of calculating that. They're also calculating that they are running, like you said, they are very intelligent and they're running your highest conversion rate for that variation, your lowest conversion rate, the mean and like the median or the median conversion rate. And so they're taking a variety of things into consideration there. So, I mean, it's, it's not just like a 
quick spreadsheet statistical confidence calculation. But it really just depends on how deep you want to get into statistics, how much you want to understand. Yeah, but we should generally trust what Google is telling us. Oh, yeah. They're smarter than we are, right? (laughs) (laughs) They're way smarter. And I do tend to trust. I mean, the statistical confidence calculations that they give are very reliable. Um, They're taking more things into consideration than you would think. That's cool. Well, Chris, we've just scratched the surface of all the amazing things that you do. Uh, If people want to discover more about you and the different things that you have, where do you want them to reach you? Yeah. So we've actually, I've got a landing page set up for anyone who's listening that is kind of interested in in chatting and having me take a look at the site. I've set up a, a page where people can sign up to get a free conversion audit. So they can go to smart-cro.com slash SME. That's up. And like I said, I'll make sure that I get back with people quickly. If not, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. So my name is Chris Daly. Last name is D-A-Y-L-E-Y. I know you and I have chatted about this before. I'm not on Facebook, so don't look for me there. Hey, I get it. LinkedIn is the businessman's platform, the businesswoman's platform. Chris Daly, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all these uh, insights with us. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be running a lot more experiments now, and we're all better because of the wisdom you shared today. Thank you again. Thanks for having me on. It was a great experience. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 463. If you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I am at Stelzner on Instagram. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.